0: This is 891 WEMU, and I'm David Fair. It was about three years ago we devoted an episode of our monthly environmental feature, The Green Room, to the eco-considerations of driverless cars. Back then, the concept was mostly theoretical. That is no longer the case. Automated vehicles are not only being tested, but put to practical use on roads all over the world. Sadly, the first non-motorist fatality has taken place. Back in March, a bicyclist crossing the street mid-block was hit by a self-driving Uber in Arizona. Still, experts are confident overall the new technology will be safer for everyone. But what about its carbon footprint? In this new installment of the Green Room, Barbara Lucas explores what this monumental change in our transportation system could mean for carbon emissions. The M-City test facility which is the University of Michigan's purpose-built proving ground for automated and connected vehicles.
1: That's Greg McGuire, the lab director of M-City. Here we go. We're riding in a very quiet electric self-driving shuttle, like the one that will soon start running a two-mile route on U of M's North Campus. It'll be the first college campus to have such a service. Its purpose is to assess reactions of passengers and interactions with non-motorists. He says they're also working with the Department of Energy to analyze energy consumption.
0: You know Things like air conditioning and heating and passenger comfort, uh, but also distance and uh, acceleration, those sorts of things.
1: Uh, We're at M-City's entrance gate.
0: It wants that obstacle to clear out of the way. Uh, it doesn't know the difference between a fence and a vehicle. It just knows there's an obstacle, so it's set up to honk. Okay.
1: The last time I was at M-City, it was the grand opening in July 2015. While the speeches there focused on the potential safety impacts, I interviewed people about the potential environmental impacts. I wasn't the only one wondering about this angle. Today, I'm with former aerospace engineer Jim Gawrun, walking around U of M's campus. I was
2: working on satellite technology for NASA, and we were actually designing a mission to observe climate change. It motivated me to not want to just observe the effects of climate change anymore but I wanted to do something more about them.
1: So Galran enrolled at the University of Michigan Herb Institute's Graduate Program in Business Sustainability. He began working with Dr. Greg Keolian to study driverless cars to analyze their carbon footprint and develop guidelines to reduce that footprint. He calls them CAVs, Connected and Automated Vehicles.
2: All CAVs are able to talk to each other so that's the connected part and then the automated part is that it has sensors and a control system that actually drive the vehicle um, with, with some of the sensor technology informing the decisions.
1: Their research shows a CAV transportation system has a great potential to either save energy or squander it. For instance, they found that how much data a CAV's sensors use makes a surprising difference.
2: And that can increase your total energy and emissions use by 35 percent compared to a conventionally driven vehicle.
1: From my phone plan, I know using data takes money. I didn't realize it takes energy too. But their research also analyzed the multiple ways CAVs can save energy. They can communicate with stoplights and other vehicles, take routes with less congestion, travel smoothly, avoid braking and accelerating, make parking hunts a thing of the past by either self-parking or going off for other passengers.
2: There have been some studies that have shown that in high density urban environments up to 25% of the vehicle miles traveled in that area is people just circling around looking for parking.
1: What if we send the car to roam aimlessly to avoid paying for parking? Or what if we choose to live farther away because it's now so convenient and cheap to travel? Garren says predictions are CAV travel could be less than a third the cost we pay today.
2: If the economics are there, the only way to avoid some of these unintended consequences would then be good policy and, and regulation.
1: He says there could be a price put on vehicle miles traveled, especially on empty miles, CAVs without a passenger in them. But what if the energy to run them is renewable? Gawrin says no form of energy is completely benign or free, and neither is our roadway infrastructure.
2: So when you take a green landscape and replace it, by the gray infrastructure, by concrete, by buildings, there's definitely an impact on emissions that you have because now instead of having the uh, plants that take up carbon, you have uh, potential infrastructure that has emitted carbon in its construction and and now is not a uh, net sink of, of carbon.
1: But he says we don't have to go the route of building more roads. If we can easily connect via a CAV to a transit stop.
2: I think this provides the incentive for people to take mass transit now, because it is more convenient, lower cost. You don't have to deal with parking when you get to your destination. Um, and it provides more of a door-to-door type of service.
1: Now I'm wondering about the gains made in bicycling, a nearly carbon-free mode of travel, which according to the League of American Bicyclists is up 51% since 2000, especially now that we've had our first cyclist fatality by a CAV, that test vehicle in Arizona in March. Will cyclists really feel comfortable sharing the road with them? I check in with Michigan Department of Transportation Director Kirk Steidel. On June 1st, he'll present Autonomous Vehicle Technology and Bikes at the Michigan Bicycle Conference in Grand Rapids. A cyclist himself, he's not worried.
0: It knows you're there. I mean, I'm, I'm very com- comfortable and confident that that's what, you know, when you're in the roadway, you're in their field division, they're going to see you. When you're in the crosswalk, they're
2: going to see you.
1: He tells me he's had human-driven trucks come dangerously close to him while cycling. In contrast, he says automated vehicles will give wide berth. But still, he says non-motorists will always need to be on the defensive and make sure cars see them, whether they're CAV or not.
0: When you dart out from spots where you aren't supposed to be and the car's not expecting, just like a driver doesn't expect you to come running out uh, you know, behind a tree, that's when you're going to put yourself in more danger. I think that in the end, all safety will be improved with automated vehicles. But we've got a messy transition period between now and 25 or 30 years from now when they're all being controlled with with some form of intelligence and some form of radars and lidars.
1: Currently, almost a third of U.S. carbon emissions come from transportation. And while walking and biking would reduce that, Jim Gorin says designing our cities to be higher density and more walkable is not going to happen overnight. So in the meantime, he's hoping we at least go electric. That can reduce energy and emissions up to 60 percent.
2: The effect of increasing electric vehicle adoption, to me, is one of the biggest opportunities.
1: How soon might all this energy savings happen?
2: Well, I think as long as people have good experiences with the technology, It can happen pretty quickly, and so that's why I'm very excited about the driverless shuttle that is going to be operating on the University of Michigan North Campus because it will give people the opportunity to experience it for the first time. I think a few safe experiences will make people uh, welcome it with, with open arms. All right.
1: When I rode the test shuttle with Greg McGuire, he clearly had complete confidence in it. He wasn't manning any backup controls. He seemed totally unconcerned as it went by a moving car in the parking lot and pulled itself with one impressively smooth move into a tight spot.
0: We just pulled into a parking space right next to your car, right? And we didn't hit it.
1: (laughs) Phew, this does take a little getting used to. He tells me when the shuttle service starts on north campus, a human conductor will oversee all the shuttle's decisions. Not a bad idea. In the Green Room, I'm Barbara Lucas, 891 WEMU News.
0: WEMU will continue to provide updates on the start of the University of Michigan's driverless shuttle service. The Green Room is a monthly environmental feature heard on the last Friday of each month. To access previous installments of the Green Room, visit our archive at WEMU.org. I'm David Fair, and this is 89.1 WEMU-FM and WEMU-HD 1 Ypsilanti.